And they started laughing and singing with the children to calm them down. And that singing was the most beautiful sound that I heard. That was that was that sound of freedom. And um, and I I turned to the attorney general that was with me, and I said, "This is Sean." I said, "I've spent my whole life making rich people richer. I want to I want to make a difference. I want to." He said, "I can't teach my Navy SEALs how to wear a four thousand dollar suit and a fifty thousand dollar watch and negotiate a multi million dollar deal." He said, "These the traffickers see through fake money all day long." He said they're looking for the Jeffrey Epstein's. They're looking for these power players. He said. He said that's what. That's who pays to come down here. He said, and I've never found an ultra successful businessman who's had the training that you've had. He said, if you're willing to be the bait, I'll change your whole life. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset. It's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have a treat for you. I have Paul Hutchinson coming to the program and he's a hedge fund manager. He built, I think it's almost $50 billion worth of assets that he has in management right now. But for the last 10 years, he's been an undercover agent rescuing children. And he's going to talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about the economy because I got this guy on, but then we're going to talk about his I'm rescuing children. And now what he's doing, you are going to be inspired by this. And I was inspired. This is something I needed today. I really needed this today. And it, um, there are a couple of times I, I'm just like, oh my God, just because it was so much what I needed. So I hope that you will appreciate this conversation as much as I do. Um, he's right on track with what you know, how I've been thinking, except he's acting it out and he's been living and doing it. I think that we are at a time where we really need to heal as, as a country. And we, we're not going to be able to that much right now because we're still in the middle of this war and we have a lot more trauma we're going to be going through. And we're going to talk about that. I think you're going to appreciate this. But before we get into it, I want to remind you of the spike support that I have. P people do not need to suffer alone. We have things that are now working to break down the spike protein, to break down the blood clots with the wellness company. If you feel that you're suffering, call them. They have doctors that can work with you. They understand what the jab, the mRNA treatment has done, the side effects. You do not have to suffer alone. We have doctors that are trained, that understand how to deal with this. We also have the spike support, which you can get. And I'm going to have links below to both the spike support that dissolves the spike protein and the blood clots, and also how you can contact the wellness company if it's something that you need, because they can help you. People do not need to suffer at home if you're experiencing side effects from the jab. Okay. Remember to go to my website and sign up for my newsletter. Remember to sign up for my Substack, and also remember to push that subscribe button on the platform that you're on. And let's get into this really good conversation with Paul Hutchinson. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. I appreciate your time. Well, you are a white knight, I think, the true definition of one. But let's talk a little bit about your background and then, and then get into all of your uh, things that you're doing that are amazing. You are a hedge fund manager, and you've been doing that, a $40 billion hedge fund that you've managed and so forth. Are you still doing that? And then why did you get into rescuing children? Yeah, I, I, um, yeah I'm the co-founder of Bridge Investment Group. And um, now $48.8 billion on, under management and assets under management. Uh, John Pennington and I co-founded the fund. Back in 2004, uh, first company was called Bridge Loan Capital, doing short-term asset-based lending. And then we combined together with a property management company that had been in business for 20 years. And we 
we were in the right place at the right time, hired the right team, and took advantage of the one of the greatest buying opportunities in our lifetime with the 2008 crisis. Yeah. And, and we made money with a true win-win-win scenario, not by... Not by saying, okay, there's blood in the streets and we're going to make money from, you know, all this, this crisis that's that's happening. But on the contrary, we, we put together systems that allowed us to, to be a win for the banks and a win for our employees and a win for the tenants and a win for our investors, et cetera. Perfect example. Um, we, we own well over 50,000 multifamily apartment units. Every company that I have built, it is vitally important that it's a true win-win-win. You know, when we got into the apartment complex business, we didn't want to be scum lords. Uh, we don't want to be in there and just, okay, let's let's take as much money as we possibly can and, and increase the rents. No, we want to figure out what is really important for the people that we have there. And so uh, we brought in English as a second language and the bookmobile and Taco Tuesday and, and uh, tutoring programs and things like that that were really valuable for the people that were living there and, and created. And we're not putting gold towel rods in a B-class neighborhood. But you no. don't need to do that. But we could put soccer fields in. That's great. You know, we could put we could put a place for the kids to do their homework. And so in doing that, it could be a true win-win-win. And in, in doing so, it also created an average of a 22.3% net-net return for our investors average over a 15-year period. Wow. And so we can create a win for our investors. We can create a win for the banks, create a win for the tenants all the way across the board. There's no reason to live in a world where it's a dog-eat-dog. We, we don't live in a world of scarcity. We live in a world of abundance. And when people understand that and make their business decisions based on that understanding, they can create true win-win-win scenarios and make money and create value for people at the same time. Well, we're entering, I mean, before we get into the, what you what came to, I got to ask you, with you being uh, so focused on you know, the financial world, the economy is in pretty bad shape right now. Are you preparing in different ways for this reset? I mean, no. there's going to be something. Uh, it's it's going to be, it's going to make the 2008 crisis pale by comparison. That's right. And it will probably make the 1920s pale by comparison. I, I Here's the problem. Here's the problem in a nutshell. Okay. In before the 2008 crisis, we had $800 billion bills chasing $800 billion worth of goods and services. And then the Fed was worried that we were going to go into a depression with the crisis coming. So they have two levers. One of them is printing more money and one of them is lowering or, or raising interest rates, either one, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so they're like, okay, what do we do? We lower interest rates. We print more money. They call it quantitative easing, okay? Yep. So this, this influx of all this new money, QE1, QE2, QE3, QE4, pretty soon we had $4.5 trillion chasing the same goods and services that we had before the 2008 crisis. Now, the only reason, now, Economics 101 says that if I have a trillion dollar bills chasing a trillion dollars worth of goods and services, and I print another trillion dollar supply and demand says that the value of that dollar has to go in half, the cost of those goods and services has to double. It's just, that's what happens. The velocity of money or the money multiplier works like this. You go into a town, you pay $20 for your haircut. And that lady takes that $20 and she pays $20 for her groceries. And the guy at the grocery store, he pays $20 to his babysitter, right? That's the number of times that money moves within a system. That's the money multiplier. Normally within the US, our, that number is upwards of six or seven X. Today is well below one. For every dollar that the Fed prints, there's less than a dollar worth of GDP that's created from it, right? So because of that, everything is kind of stuck. So the only place for all of this new funny money to go into is an artificial expansion of the of the of the, the stock market. Do you really think that these companies 
companies that are trading it at 20x if their their valuation really should be there. No, it's just that that's the only place where the money can go. And so it's created this bubble everywhere with all of this monopoly money within the system. I mean, they've been planning this. We watched, we're watching this. Yeah. Since 2008, they, they delayed it. Now, are they going to be able to delay it that much longer? No. You, you can only kick the can so far. But you how can much only, farther? and you don't want I mean, when is this thing going to, yeah, when is this thing going to stop? I and mean, when is the gong show going to gong? You know, when is it going to yeah, happen? I, I, if, if I had a crystal ball, I would say sooner than people think. We're talking fall. I want to get my daughter through college. Well, 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 here's the thing, Sarah, though. Here's what you have to understand. Let's say that we end up with uh, uh, hyperinflation. Let's say that they do a dollar reset. Let's say that they, they convert everything over into a new currency. Yes, you're going to be super controlled at that point, right? And yes, you're, it, it may take away. It'll be horrible. Absolutely horrible. Yes, it's probably going to take away all of the savings from our parents and everybody who saved up for their retirement that now they're not able to live on that $2 million they have because we've got that reset. There's going to be some really bad things that happen. The question is, how do you maintain a lifestyle at that point? You have to do two things. You have to have a product or service that sells well in a good market and sells well in a bad market. Wherever the market goes, you've got a product or service that's in demand. That's number one. Number two, you have to have a product or service that if all of a sudden the minimum wage goes to $200 an hour and a gallon of milk is, is you know, a hundred bucks or whatever, you have to have a product or service that you can ratchet up to be in line with whatever the value of that time and that product is, right? So if you do that, then you can make it through it. Where you're gonna have a ch challenge is if you've got something that's not going to sell in a good market, you, you don't have people that are interested in buying it, then there's gonna be a lot of challenges. So I think, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a doomsdayer because I've seen it. And I think that we're in for some challenges coming up Absolutely. You know, um, in fact, we are we are actively looking at at uh, property outside of the big cities, uh, even potentially outside of the country. Uh, we're here in Mexico right now in 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 having some different places of refuge and stuff when things get really bad. Yeah, I know. So and that's that's. that's that's, a that's whole telling. Lot. You're you're saying you're looking for some safe havens, so that's telling. Uh, um, you know, during the Great Depression, this is a little factoid. Did you know that one out of four dollars were still spent on beauty? That the beauty business <laughs> is always I... going to do okay. Honest to God, one out of four dollars were still spent on whatever the beauty industry. Wait. But anyways, okay. And, and that's that's important to be, it's important to be thinking through those things, saying, okay, if things get bad, I mean, for example, I invested a bunch into a vodka company, right? Yeah, um, that's another example. And why? Yeah. Because in good markets, yeah, alcohol still still strong in, in good markets and bad markets both. You know, I, I invested into into some solar companies that I know can do good in, in those markets. And and um, some there's there's a bunch of different things that I've been looking at. We've been investing heavily into into healing retreats because I believe it goes in line with not only what I'm doing in the in the charity world, but as life gets more and more difficult, people are wanting Adults are wanting to go to a place where they can have a totally transformational experience for four to five days and work on their anxiety, their depression, their PTSD, their childhood trauma, the list goes on. And so putting together these things for, for helping people with, with mental health is super important as well. So we're looking at places for, for sure. healing retreats. I think healing is going to be one of the most important. I mean, it's, it's, it's really important right now. And, and we're not even thinking about healing because we're still in the survival of this war that we're in and we are in still right in the middle of it. So when we're past it, the economy crashes, you know, we start rebuilding, 
healing is going to be so incredibly important. I think our a lot of our focus of our government and what, however we focus our communities, uh, not government, but community, our, we need to think about healing and becoming better. I know during, after World War II, um, Euro, the Europeans, because they knew the families were so uh, distraught, so much trauma within the families. They focused on families and healing after World War II, and it made a big difference. We need to have that same kind of focus yeah. now. And we are probably worse than they were back then, I would say, based on everything that's going on, everything that I see. I mean, maybe I'm just more awake. I don't know, but it's it's pretty incredible. But you are one of those white knights. And I think it's kind of interesting. We're going to, we talked about the economy and gave some tidbits about that because I have to, if you're here, we got to talk about it, but you have saved and done missions over the last 10 years and saved done what 70 trips to save child children who have been trafficked. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah. I've been blessed to have a certain set of skills that, uh, that made it so I was recruited about 10 years ago to help in some undercover child rescue missions, identifying kidnapped and trafficked children around the world. And since that time have been a part of or led over 70 undercover rescue missions in 15 countries. And I uh, started the Child Liberation Foundation you can go to liberateachild.com or liberatechildren.org, I mean. And, um, and through our foundation and others that I have helped to fund and start, over 5,000 victims have been rescued oh, good for in you. the last yeah. 10 years. Well, let's so talk it's about been a, some it's of been that. A beautiful... It's probably been bittersweet, right? You're seeing it, but you keep seeing it. Now, have you taken down the source of some of these that you rescue the children, which is amazing, but have you taken down right to the, the source of them being taken? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, in fact, there's a movie coming out July 4th of this year. It's called the sound of freedom. And um, that movie, uh, the producer plays me in that movie. So the producer is Eduardo Verastegui. He, uh, when we filmed it, I was still undercover. So he doesn't play Paul Hutchinson. He plays, plays Pablo Delgado, the, the billion dollar fund manager who quits his job to go help rescue the children. Um, Jim Caviezel, he played Jesus, Passion of Christ, Count of Monte Cristo. He plays the part of the Homeland Security agent who uh, first recruited me on that first mission. And, um, and the movie is, it's its not a downer. It's so beautiful in, in sharing the story of where these kids came from. And the, the reason we named it The Sound of Freedom is that the most beautiful sound that I ever heard was 10 years ago on that first mission after the agents came and stormed the party and arrested everybody and the Child Protective Services people came in with the children and they started laughing and singing with the children to calm them down. And that scene was the most beautiful sound that I heard. That was that was that sound of freedom. And um, and I I turned to the attorney general that was with me and I said, this is Sean. I said, I've spent my whole life making rich people richer. I wanna, I wanna make a difference. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna write you a check. I was, I was gonna buy an Aventadora Lamborghini that summer. That says, I want to write you the check instead. I'm not going to buy the car. And uh, what else do you need? And he said, Paul, he said, unfortunately, the majority of demand for this horrible act in second and third world countries comes from wealthy men, connected, powerful men in first world countries who dress and talk and walk just like you. He said, I can't teach my Navy SEALs how to wear a $4,000 suit and a $50,000 watch and negotiate a multi-million dollar deal. He said these, the traffickers see through fake money all day long. He said, they're looking for the Jeffrey Epstein's. They're looking for these power players. He said, he said, that's what, that's who pays to come down here. He said, and I've never found an ultra successful businessman who's had the training that you've had. He said, if you're willing to be the bait, I'll change your whole life. No, no, no. So let's that was 10 this. years ago. You're, and that's we took an, 
that you're amazing. Okay. So what kind of training do you have? Do you have Navy SEAL background or what, what is the deal? No, I've, um, two, two different things. Um, first of all, uh, in, have you ever heard of Krav Maga? No. So, so regular martial arts like karate and jiu-jitsu and things like that. Regular martial arts is bow to your sensei, three points when you kick him in the leg. Krav Maga is brick to their head and go home to your family. It's Israeli special forces hand-to-hand -hand combat training. It's the most lethal on earth. Every move, they don't talk, they don't walk. I can take away a gun faster than they can pull the trigger every single wow. time. And now that, that's part of it is I've been training for a long time with that. But more important than that, um, about a year before I got recruited, I, this is a funny story. I, I called up the attorney general, Sean, Sean Reyes in, in Utah. We were good friends for a long time. And I called him up. I said, bro, I said, I have front row tickets to the Miss America pageant. Do you want to come? And his exact words were, he said, Hutch. Unlike you, I have a reputation to uphold. I can't go sitting front row in a Miss America. I said, no, 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 it's not like that. I said, I said, we're sponsoring some children. I said, I said, we're we're sponsoring some children who lost their fathers in military battle this year. And we're paying for them to fly out there and be crowned by a Miss America crowned on stage. And so we have these girls that we're paying for their dresses and their hair. And he goes, oh, that's super cool. So he comes out with me. And because it was a fallen charity, the Pentagon sent a representative as well. His name was John. John, John was a CIA recruiter for 25 years. And we, we were there for about four days. And uh, at the end, right before we went home, we were having dinner. We've got a Miss America there. We've got the attorney general. We've got this Pentagon, the CIA recruiter. And uh, the recruiter says to me, he goes, Mr. Hutchinson, I've been watching you for the last four days, and I think your country could use your talents. And I said, well, well, what talents are those? <laughs> he said, he said, I was a recruiter for two decades. He said, you're about a one in 12 million. He said, your ability to to break the ice and become friends. He said, I saw you in seconds, break the ice and, and become best friends with a bum on the street, a billionaire or a runway model. He said, he said, we can't train that. He said, plus I looked into your background and your, you can, you can protect yourself if things go bad. He said, how about this? We fly you to Dubai, line you up with some, some dirty money guys, um, and uh, you get the information that, that we need. And then I'll, I'll line you up with some real billionaires to make it worth your time. So when his guys called me, I, I ended up turning them down. I didn't want to put my life in danger for some white collar crime guys in Dubai. Yeah. I just didn't want to. A year later, when the attorney general is in a meeting with the Homeland Security agent and some others, Homeland Security agent was saying, hey, we need somebody who can play this role, who really does come from money and ego and pride and whatever, but has got a really good heart and has some training. And so Sean Reyes said, oh, have you ever heard of Paul Hutchinson? And I told him later, I said, I don't think that's a compliment. You think I'd be a really good undercover pedophile? You know, <laughs> that and so that's, that's where I ended up Oh, that is, that is kind of funny. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to even, there is something about not, not wanting to play one, right? I mean, did that kind of, was it kind of a dark thing? You know, like actors, when they're, when they're acting, they get into the role and it's really kind of horrifying. I mean, did you have a little bit of horrifying, like, God, I don't even want to play this. I mean, was there a little bit of mental stuff going on? It, it was. And I had to, I had to, I had to come from a place of pure grounding, unconditional love, light. Um, I remember on the, the very first time that I met a trafficker, uh, we were in Cartagena, Colombia. I had flown down there to tell him, look, I'm, I'm willing to take a look at your project. What had happened was the head trafficker had a, an island, a piece of property that he wanted to develop into a child brothel sex resort. God. And he needed $8 million to build it out. And he believed he could make tens of millions of dollars a year bringing in that Jeffrey Epstein type people in the world. And, and so my job was to have. go in and tell him, listen, yeah, 
he would have for sure. And my job was to go in and say, I'm willing to fund your project under one condition. You need to prove to me that you can fill it and be successful with it. Because these guys knew that he had connections with a bunch of other traffickers. They thought that there was only 20 children in Cartagena, but they found out there was more than 50 tied to these other rings that he was connected with and more than 100 children in the surrounding areas in other cities. And so our goal was to convince him to call the other traffickers and get them to bring all of their children to the same place at the same time so that we could do one thing and rescue all of them. And so the plan was I would tell him, I'm willing to fund your project as long as uh, you we're going to have a party in two weeks. I'm going to bring down a bunch of my rich friends. You show up with all the children that you have right now. If we're happy, I'll fund your deal. And so we're sitting there at this table. There's these traffickers across the, the table from me. I've got a Navy SEAL standing behind me. He's my real bodyguard and my show bodyguard. And one of the traffickers, he said, Pablo, he said, I have a gift for you. I said, really, what's your gift? He hands me his phone. There's a picture of an 11-year-old girl on his phone. Mm. He said, this is princess. She's still a virgin. Oh. We just took delivery of some. And so and he started talking about these horrible things. So they were and, expecting and the that was your was, gift. You were going to be able to be with her for the first time. Now, how did you act? How did exactly. you, how did you, I, I, I mean, how, how was your acting skills there? Well, here's two things that happened. The Navy SEAL that was behind me had to go walk around the, the he says, I, I need to go check things out, make sure everything's secure. Later, he said, that little girl looked like my daughter at home. I almost unholstered my weapon and took him out. But we realized <laughs> that, you know, if that happened, we would lose. I, yeah. So it was good. He took a little bit of a walk. What did you do? So, so I, yeah. So I'm, I, I, I said, because he said, we just took delivery of some, I said, I said, Fuego, you just took delivery. Do you have more virgins? He goes, oh yeah, yeah. We have, we have, we have more. I said, you're bringing those to the party as well. Right. He goes, oh no. He says, they're those those are too expensive. Oh. I said, they're too expensive. Now I'm already paying twenty-five thousand dollars for this party. I'm paying five hundred dollars per child for 50 children just for two hours in the afternoon with them. He goes, Hefe, you already paid twenty-five thousand. You want to F all these other virgins? It's gonna cost you extra two thousand, maybe five thousand for that little one. It's gonna cost you maybe ten thousand more. I was so mad. He's talking about these children like they're commodities, but I couldn't blow my cover. So I'm like, you don't think I can afford an extra $10,000? He said, oh, no, Hefe, no. I said, I want every one of those virgins at my party. And I said, they damn well better be virgins when they get there. They're not for you. <laughs> they're for me and my people. Do you understand? He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, God. How, what was this? I was so mad at him. Well, so, I, that's you did a great job. But what is the youngest? What was the age ranges? They they were they ranged from from ten years old to eighteen years old. Okay. More than half of them were under sixteen. Were kidnapped from other places. And, the, and the younger were more so expensive. Sad. We, right? we we arrived. So we we yeah yeah they were more expensive. The virgins were more expensive. All of this. Now here's what's super sad. When when we were sitting at that first meeting and I said, listen, I'll afford the extra. And in the movie, The Sound of Freedom, she she's Giselle in the in the movie. And uh, she was she was running the show and she leans forward. She goes, oh, no. She said, we can't bring the virgins. And I thought maybe she had a heart. I thought, oh, this is interesting. She's not wanting to bring them. Why? And I said, I said, well, why not? She goes. Well, they're not ready yet. We need to desensitize them. We need to show them pornography and we need to have them see sex acts and, and maybe give them some drugs. Otherwise, they're going to cry. Then she said, but if you're okay if they cry, then I'm okay if they come. It was dark. So and so 
you so, said you were okay. How did you say you were okay? Yeah, she 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 was this was this was heavy, this was hard, but I knew that if I didn't say the right words at that time, that we were gonna lose those kids. This was the only way to figure out how to get to him. So two weeks later, we fly back in, the Homeland Security agent goes and he meets with the, the, the US Embassy and the Colombian federal agents. They provided 40 agents for us. Four of them were our, our maids, four of them were our, our waiters, four of them were our cooks. Now they're not very good cooks or waiters, but they're armed. <laughs> Kind of suck at that, but that's what they were going to do. Okay. I thought they were going to blow our cover. I mean, we're sitting there at the table <laughs> with the traffickers, and the the waiter comes out with a block of cheese, a big block of cheese. No knife, no plates for it, nothing. Right, like a block of cheese, our block of cheese. But but then we're these guys showed up with fifty. Four children in Cartagena. We did three separate cities at the same time. We met a Ying and, and Armenia, a total of 127 children. It was the largest child rescue mission in one day in history that I know of at the time. Oh, that's so great. And, and we're, 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 they, these guys brought the children that we have all of my friends that were there for the party are all ex-special forces guys that are hanging out hey how you doing whatever and then that once we had all the right information we are supposed to order tequila and we say okay and we had undercover cameras that were placed everywhere because we don't want the children to ever have to stand trial and witness so instead we need to get the traffickers to say exactly why the children were there, what they were willing to do. Now, that was the hardest part of the entire mission, having that conversation on camera with the traffickers. Okay, so that that little, uh, that 10-year-old, what's she willing to do? And they're like, whatever, you say what you want. And if she doesn't do it, then we'll take care of it. You know, whatever. It was a dark, hard conversation. And then God. when we ordered the tequila, the, the, traf the, the agents were supposed to show up within a few minutes something something went wrong that the home the the lady who was in charge of the the child protective services slept in through her alarm or something happened where she missed the boat coming out to the island and so she called and said don't do the sting until i get there so we didn't know this we're sitting there with the traffickers we get all the information we need on camera and i and we say okay let's order tequila and let's get the party started that was our sign the agents went back in, the, our, our waiters went back in and radioed, and we thought that all of a sudden it would be taken down. We'd all get arrested. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, oh, 20, geez. 25, 30, 40. It was 45 minutes later before the agents came and stormed it. And we didn't know what was going on. But the so problem was, as soon as we tequila, it was time for the party to start. Well, and the party was so, you so being the agent, with children? So the, what does a party with you with children at that? Yeah. Point? So, the, so oh the, my God. the guys so stand up and they're like, okay, I'll go get the cocaine. I'll go get the children. And I'm like, we can't have the children because the children are in a separate place of the house. We don't want them to be around the money and the guns and everything. Yeah. So they're all in a separate place getting prepped. Right. And one of them gets up, say, I'm going to go get the children. And I'm like, no, I can't go get the children. So I said, I said, guys, this, this was a gift from God that I had had some business experience in negotiating. Here's the deal. You go get those kids and the cocaine. I'm going to be effed up that you could provide what you said you could provide. So before the party starts, let's do this. Let's let's do this business plan. Give me a piece of paper. Give me a pen. Give me and boom, I have this piece of paper just delaying them. I'm like, let's do this business plan. Sarah, this was the darkest business plan you can imagine because the commodity are children. Right. And so I'm like, OK, let's talk about this. Let's draw out what you want here. And we're drawing out exactly what it looks like. What is the fees that you're going to charge to the Americans coming down? Boom, boom, boom. What are you going to charge them per day after that? Boom, boom, boom. How much does it cost for a little Colombian girl? How much does it cost for an American girl? How much does it cost for a Mexican girl? Boom, writing it all down. It the scary thing is that business plan penciled. It cash flowed tens of millions of dollars. That's a what year. I mean. It was a good and business. 
but and then as it, it it was it was that's where my aha I said this is where the problem is this is where the problem these guys would probably be working another job except for the fact that we've got sick people on this planet willing to pay big money for horrible horrible things so so and and then at the end of that they still that agents hadn't come yet and i'm like we now have to still delay and so i then said guys but wait a minute the at this point did I you like know this? they were coming uh, i mean did you would you did you know no, they were we coming or were you like oh my god I, I, what was I, racing I through your be... mind were you thinking you were screwed i mean like i what am I going to do here? All I all I could do was delay, delay, delay. I knew eventually they would come. I had no idea what the problem was. Okay, and so you had nobody could say coming. anything to me because I'm sitting okay. there. I yeah, I knew something would happen, but I, I was 45 minutes into it. So then I said another delay tactic. I said I said to the traffickers, I said, all right, here's the deal. I don't invest in anything unless I'm in majority. So I'm taking 55% of the company. I'll put the $8 million in that you need, but I'm taking, I'm, I'm owning the build out. I'm owning the property. And from a business standpoint, I own 55%. The other 45%, there were six traffickers there. I said, you guys need to divide that up. I pointed at one of them. I said, you've done a lot of work. I think you should get like 25%. Rest of you divide the other 20. <laughs> and, and then they start arguing, boom, 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 boom. Right. So that the traffickers are down each other's necks, arguing over what percentage of this business they're going to get. And they argued and argued and argued to the point where, boom, now the, the agents came and, and stormed the party, arrested everybody, threw us down on the ground. And that's when the Child Protective Services people came in and the kids started singing. I started crying. It was it changed my life. And as we were, they weren't supposed to tell the children that we were the good guys, but somebody must have said something because that little 11 year old that he showed me on the picture that half an hour before he had brought out, he had brought out some of the virgins. He said, he said, I have to show you the gifts I brought you. This is during the delay time. And, and he brings out these little virgins and this little girl scared to death with the tear stains on her makeup face, this little 11 year old shaky. Oh. And, the, what changed is after the agents came, she was standing there by the window and her, her hand was on the window. She was crying again, but she was smiling and waving. And she said in her broken English, she said, thank you, Americans. And I, I broke down. This is after they'd taken the traffickers away. And that's when I turned to Sean and I said, what can I do? And he said, he said, if you're willing to be the bait, I'll change your whole life. And he did. Oh, God. Okay. So how how did you keep yourself undercover at that point? The, it, they, You were in prison just like every... I mean, they, they arrested you and made you seem yeah, they, like a bad they think guy. That I got, you were just terrible, too, in their eyes. I, yeah. I got, I got extradited to the U.S. to stand trial in their eyes. And, um, and then as I went forward, I wasn't Paul Hutchinson. I was Paul Stone, Paul Steele, Paul Black, whatever. I had, they put together a fake Facebook page. I took everything online about me was gone. There was nothing online about the real me. And they, they would put, put together a fake Facebook and a profile and everything else. I would have by any mission, I would have seven or 800 friends on my Facebook that had zero association with the real me. The traffickers could look me up and verify everything, doing all the undercover work. And for the first year, I was the wealthy guy coming in, paying for all of this stuff. And there was deep cover guys. After the first year, they asked me to go deep cover where I wasn't the wealthy guy anymore. Instead, I was working for a wealthy guy. Two in the morning in downtown Port-au-Prince, Haiti, or downtown Mexico City, or down any of these cities, I would go in and connect with the traffickers that were finding the children, holding the children, um, and figure out where they were keeping them, geotag the location so they could get stings later, or get them to bring them all to a uh, party so we could have a sting there. So this movie could be absolutely amazing. I mean, there's so and much There's lots material. of those. I can tell you a whole bunch of those stories. I mean, the material that you have to work with is incredible. Now, it could also be kind of, did you have a little bit of humor in there with some of these agents that weren't very good chefs and stuff? I mean, were you able to, because this movie could be really dark, you know? So you, go ahead. You, you have to, when it's that dark, you have to, you have to have some humor. 
you have to you have to go that was you know that was a close one or whatever that the subject is 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 so heavy but there's so much beauty with the light at the end of the tunnel with the rescue and rehabilitation and reuniting of the children with their families is is completely transformational in so many ways and you know i i i got married four days ago i met my wife five years ago in haiti okay i was uh i was doing some undercover work in haiti and she was working at the donating her time at the orphanage and uh she's a she's a pretty well-known colombian actress i tell people meeting a beautiful Colombian actress is kind of cool but when she's donating her time at an orphanage in Haiti that's that's my kind of girl and um and so I wouldn't have even met her if it hadn't been for the charity work and being there finding these kids well good for you okay well this is amazing okay but now after 10 years of doing this without you know doing this dark you're coming out why are you coming out you said you can save more children coming out why is that Sarah, I'll tell you this. Ten years ago, when I was sitting on that chair on that first mission, and they bring out that 11-year-old girl, the same one he showed me on the picture, the virgin. And sitting, I'm sitting down. She's standing up. She's no taller than I was sitting down. And there was tear stains on her, her makeup of her face. And she was scared to death. And I held her little hands. And I asked asked her name. I said, and I said, it's okay. And I made, when she was looking at me, like I was this devil, she was so scared. I made a commitment that moment to myself, to God in my power to eradicate that from the face of the earth. There was nothing more evil that I could think of than an 11 year old virgin being sold to a stranger for sex. There was nothing more evil. And so I, I said, I will, I will put whatever money I need, whatever time I need, I'm going to eradicate this problem. This is my life goal. By the time I'm done with this life, that will not exist anymore, period. I've got the resources. I've got the connections. I've got the attitude. That won't happen anymore because I've seen it and I can't unsee it. It's done. At the time, there were 8 million children being sold for something that horrible. One child being sold is unacceptable. Eight million is beyond comprehension. Isn't it more now? And isn't it? I mean, we haven't really it's made more it more now. That's yeah. my that's my point. So I looked at it last year, Sarah. There's well over 10 million children. I so know. if my goal was to eradicate this, I wasn't doing a very good job pulling <laughs> because here's what would happen. Every time I went undercover and we pulled 20 children out of hell because not enough was being done to fix the supply or the demand side. Another 20 children were being sucked in. It would, it would create a vacuum. And, and yes, now we're spending, yes, we made a powerful impact in the lives of those children that we rescued, but the other ones that are now being sucked in now we're traumatizing more. And I thought, ah, this isn't working. And so I, I spent a whole bunch of time saying, okay, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? Is And for a while, I thought, well, maybe it's it's hardcore pornography addiction. You know, when, when we take a woman from a divine feminine to an object, then we start going down a dark road. And, and maybe for some of these guys, they need, they get addicted and they, they need something harder to have that same fix. And for some of them, harder is a little bit younger, a little bit younger. Pretty soon they're fantasizing about something they wouldn't have even thought was attractive five years ago. And then they're acting out on that, that, that fantasy. I thought that's where the problem was. I've now come to an understanding that even pornography addiction is a symptom, not the cause. Okay. So what's really going on. And this is my lifelong mission now. One out of every four women on the planet were a victim of sexual abuse as a child. As a child, most of them in their own home. Now, for men, the number is a little bit smaller. About 20% of all men have been a victim at some time in their life. But one-fourth of them experience that under the age of 10 years old. 
So if you figure there's 8 billion people in the world, 4 billion men, 800 million of them abused, that's 200 million men were sexually abused under the age of 10 years old in their own home. So here's what happens. Some of them grow up and God bless them. They have figured out their crap. They've gone to healing retreats. They've worked on their issues or whatever. And they grow up to be good husbands, good fathers. In the case of women, good mothers, everything. And they, they work through it. Others grow up and they hold it in. And it's low self-esteem and it's anxiety and depression and issues. Others, unfortunately, it comes out in being contact offenders themselves, in physical abuse, verbal abuse, or sexual abuse. And we have generational trauma. This is what's happening, is people hurt people, hurt other people. And so I thought, okay, if I can use my experiences doing the undercover work and say, okay, now I have your attention. This is dark. We can fix this. As humanity, we can fix this. I bought the domain liberate dash humanity.com and org. We're building out some things and putting together tools, allowing people to help heal themselves before they ever get to a point where they can pass that trauma on. What's happening is this, Sarah, is these men who were maybe abused as children or their adolescent years, and they, they grow up and they have big egos and big checkbooks and whatever. And then they're like, you know what? I can do what I want to. I can do this. I can F who I want to, whatever. And then they, I was raped when I was 10. So it's not going to hurt if I, if I rape a 10, whatever it is, what's going through their heads, it gets into that dark energy. We need to raise the vibration of mankind. We have to change the generational trauma. My company that I built in my early 20s, was the Attacking Anxiety and Depression program. It had a cognitive restructuring program that helped people change the negative habit patterns of thought that were creating anxiety and depression in the first place. We can do the same thing in helping people heal from generational trauma. We can put together cognitive restructuring programs that help them change their perceptions of themselves and their perceptions of their past and, and wash away that crap that they've been holding on before they ever pass any trauma on to another human being. I believe that that is something we can win. I think so too. I think you're absolutely onto something. I've been interviewing, I haven't interviewed him in a while. This was pre-COVID, a few years before COVID, but he he's uh, Mike Tickenen. He's uh, has this car aboard. He's spoken at the UN and it's his whole life mission. And he's the one that I learned that what happened in Europe where they focused on the family and the trauma. And his, I, his idea is that it'll take a generation, 10 years, a generation, and we can really turn this around. And, but he needs, I, he needs help. He would probably be someone that could be a resource for you. I don't know. You sound like someone that could get it done. And I am, I, this is so important. I think you're absolutely right. I think we have historical um, evidence of what happened in Europe when they, the trauma that it, we were talking about, it really is uh a cycle of abuse, uh, he thinks it's a decade. It's a generation, like a decade, and the whole thing could turn around if we really focused on it. I don't know if that's true yeah. or not, but yeah. that's what his research is showing. Absolutely. I'd love to chat with him because I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that we can, we can solve generational abuse and see it solved in our lifetime, in, in, in a short period of time. It doesn't take years. I, we, have, we have different modalities and different tools that we have used in helping adults deal with childhood trauma that we can help within 48 hours get more work done than they had in 10 and 20 years of therapy. And, and so we've been working on some of these new holistic uh, transformational experiences. This is why we're down here with this, this healing retreat that we're buying right now is is we believe, I've seen it over and over again, because I've been in this work for 10 years, I have people coming to me all the time saying, oh, I was raped as a child, I was sold as a child, my mother did this, whatever, my uncle, my bishop, whatever. And, and this trauma that they're holding on to is so difficult for them to break free. And we're able to bring them in to a, to a four or five day, fully immersive, transformational healing experience 
where we can we can use use breath work and sound bowls and even plant medicine and things like this and with the right facilitators to take them into a place where we can work through those those trauma issues and have them break free and 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 live a totally transformed life in a very short period of time and so so i believe that that the getting the word out there, getting the tools out there, having people be able to, to have the, the, the workbooks and the videos and the, the breathwork exercises and things that they need to take their minds into a theta state and work through their own anxiety issues, connect. I don't care if you call God source or the universe or, or if God's a male or female, doesn't matter. There's, there's something super powerful about connecting with that God source within each one of us and that power of cleansing that can come from that and releasing. And so I'm taking a very non-religious but spiritual focus so that I'm not ostracizing anybody and helping people connect in a way that can really help them start to transform and break free from that generational trauma. I think this is probably one of the most important things that we have to save this country and to save the world so that we can migrate to a different level because that truly is. When we started this, we talked about the healing. We're going to be going into healing. We need this healing. And you are going to be focused on, you probably know my background of covering human trafficking and all the things that I've done with Detective Rothstein and everything else. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. over the years, this has been, I, it's become crystal clear to me that this is such a foundational problem that we have. And I, I, if you doing, it's almost like God sent me to you, you know, you said God sent you to me today because I needed this. I mean, I, I needed to hear somebody with a mission like this, because I, I really think that this is where our, one of the main, I mean, there's other things we need too, but one of the main pillars we need to really change, to, to, to grow and to heal. Yeah. 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 I I will say this, a great reset is coming, but it's not what what those guys think. I believe God's in charge. We're going to win. It's, it's going to get ugly because people have to be brought to their knees in order for them to open their eyes. And when they do, and they humble themselves to the point where they're ready. They're ready to accept the changes that need to happen in their lives. And when they realize that this, this fixation on social media and fixation on money and fixation on, on, on celebrities that, that aren't God-centered in their life and all of this stuff will come crumbling down as people are completely completely dependent upon a system that is controlled by people who don't have their best interests in mind. When those things start crumbling and people realize, wow, there's, where do I turn? Where do I turn for truth? Where do I turn for light? They, they will then humble themselves where they'll start listening. They'll start listening. In fact, my book that's coming out, my first book coming out in the next few months is called, Are You Listening? with my hand on my heart, are you listening? Not are you listening with my hand on my ear, but are you listening here? And I talk about how every single one of the rescue missions that I did, I wasn't following logic and protocol. I was being led. Yeah, yep. I was being led and it was undeniable that I was being led to where these children were, to places to keep us safe. It was undeniable. And as I was building my company, it was learning to listen as well. And people need to realize that that we are surrounded by fake news on both sides. I'm not going to say, you know, it's only fake fake news. There's fake news everywhere. There's so much crap out there and we don't know where to turn. Where's truth? And we've been lied to. We've been lied to by our media. We've been lied to by our politicians. We've been lied to by church leaders and by our parents who didn't know the difference because they were lied to. And if we can 
understand that indeed we don't have to go through somebody else to have a connection with God. We don't have to bow down to anything other than than understanding the divinity within ourselves. We can we can be self-sufficient. We can we can create healing within ourselves. We can shed these negative habit patterns of thought that are keeping us stuck. And we can we can connect and, and build beautiful families and 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 units that are going to keep us on this beautiful path of healing. And as a as as humanity heals from all of this crap, it's it's going to be beautiful. The, the most religions believe in a rapture, a difficult time, and then a thousand years of peace. They got that right. And we're going to see it. We are going to see it. It's going to be beautiful, but it's going to be a little bit of a shit storm between now and then as bit. people we're learn the, that- We're in the middle of the shit storm still. We just have to realize there's light at the end. <laughs> a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, so I'm, I'm super excited about the future and I feel well, God bless more for... led now. Yeah. I, I feel more led now than I've ever felt, even on the undercover rescues. And, and, and there's so much light coming. My, my first book talks about that is not the law of attraction. It indeed is the law of creation where, where, you know, we the, the first book is about listening, about the energetic connection we have with our other and God and the universe and everything and being able to be led by this infinite source of truth that is more infinite from a knowledge standpoint than all the AI and the whole world combined, right? Yep. This infinite source of truth that's within us, that listening that we have. But on the on the book two is going to be about manifestation and creation. It's not just the law of, of, of attraction. It's the law of creation where it's not just our actions, but it's our, our words and even our thoughts that are creating yeah, a yeah. world of abundance or a world of scarcity, a world of joy or a world of... So it's a beautiful future. And I was in the pit of hell so that I can help people see the light. Oh, that's so great. That's Thank you. Here. Thank you. so. Okay, so how do people... We need to know how to see the movie. The movie sounds like it's going to be amazing. How do we get to see the movie? Yeah. How do we get your book? Um, tell us where we go. So so the movie uh, got picked up by Angel Studios. They're the ones that did The Chosen. If you if, if anybody saw the TV series, The Chosen, that was put on by Angel Studios. And they, they picked up the film. Um, they kind of have a crowdfunding type of a thing and distribution. And it'll come out in theaters on July 4th. And then after that will be will be available online and I'll, I'll have some links on my websites to those. So that's number one. Number two, um, my book, uh, Are You Listening, um, will be coming out in in uh, in bookstores in about two months. It'll be on Amazon and other places. Um, I bought the domain Soul Healer 007 because I didn't want people to type out Paul Hutchinson official, you know, but uh, you can go to paulhutchinsonofficial.com or my email, whatever. But the uh, um, we we just bought I, I figured that Soul Healer is still too Hollywood. I didn't I didn't like that. I didn't want to be Paul Hutchinson. I don't need it to be about me. It's about the message. Right. So I'm getting rid of the Paul Hutchinson official. I'm getting rid of Soul Healer 007 because that's still kind of Hollywood. And we're focusing everything on liberate humanity. So you can go to liberate.humanity is on, on Facebook, on Instagram, everything. Um, and uh, liberate, liberate team. I don't remember what it is. I probably should memorize it. But I bought liberate team humanity as well. And we'll have a liberate dash humanity.org and .com will be the websites within the next few weeks. So by the time this podcast is out, you'll probably have some of those available, but that's, that's my goal. How do I liberate humanity, liberate humanity from all of these freaking controls of the system that's holding us down, liberate humanity from ourselves and our own self-imposed limits, liberate humanity from the trauma of our childhood, which most of us have in some way, and giving them the tools to wash that clean and come to a place of light and hope and love and uh, and peace. So that's that's my goal. Absolutely excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's probably what I needed today. And I hope my I know the listeners needed it too. So just seeing someone so passionate about doing something that's so right, and it's so needed right now. And even 
more, I mean, it's needed right now and it's going to be needed even more, uh, you know, over the next few years. It just, this is what we're going to have to deal with. And it's just such a beautiful message. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Sarah. I'm super grateful for this time. We're going to do more. I, I'm having you back. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much. And I'm going to get you hooked up with uh, Mike Tickenin and just thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate your time.